0: You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, in the face of death, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. In an unsatisfying world that leaves you hungry and thirsty, where nothing seems to satisfy, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. That's where we've been the last couple of weeks. And The only thing that can fill the hole in the soul, that constant craving, that hunger is only found in Jesus, the bread of life. Now, uh, we talked in our small groups this last week about how a lot of people like to uh, use Jesus as a mascot. Uh, How um, people like to, they want Jesus on their team. So, you know, they'll claim that Jesus is a Republican, Jesus is a Democrat, Jesus is a Libertarian. Jesus is a socialist. Jesus is a capitalist. They, they, they want Jesus on their, it's the Jesus team. Everybody wants Jesus on their side. But Jesus never said he was those things, but he did say very specifically some things that he is. He is, he said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the bread. And today, when your world seems dark and you need direction, you need hope. Jesus is the light of the world. In John 8, 12, in in the dark of night, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, some of you guys are carrying a light right now. Pull out your phone for just a second. If you have a phone, if you have a smartphone, and you have a, a flashlight app on your phone. Boy, some of you guys, you got it right away. Boom, boom. Everybody turn them off for a second and shine them up here. I'm just kind of curious. See, if you got it, if you got it, if you can find your app, you know, I keep mine on one of my wall, on one of my desktops there on my phone. So turn it on, shine it this way. Let's kill the lights. Let's see if, if we can do the service like this. I'm just kidding. Yep, that, that's not too bad. Can you guys see me already? It looks pretty sweet looking at you guys. All right. If you've got your phone, go ahead and pull it out. Now, now put it up in the up, put it on the ceiling. That doesn't do much. All right. Shine it at each other. Turn it around and shine it behind you. That looks cool. <laughs> all right. You can. Uh, all right. Now take your phone. Put it in your hand. You can turn the lights on, and hand your phone to your neighbor. All right. Light is the fastest moving object in the universe. It is both obvious and a mystery. We see glimpses of it in rainbows after a storm and in a dust-filled room as the sunshine shines through a window, through the crack in a wall or blind. We bathe in its warmth and we hide from its brightness and we cover ourselves from its burn. It is a trinity of colors. We're still trying to figure out what it sounds like. It is invisible, yet it is seen. It's the core ingredient of all life. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now, the context of this statement is fascinating. It's one of the great chapters of the book of John, of the gospel of John, it's a, it follows an amazing and compassionate moment. And Jesus has this dynamic confrontational conversation that follows. So we're going to unpack that verse, John eight twelve. I am the light. But before we do, I want to see, I want us to see the story behind that phrase and what kind of conversation followed that phrase because it got kind of ugly. So let's take a look at it. It begins in John chapter 8, chapter 1, in verses 1 through 11. A very popular story in the Bible is a woman who was caught in adultery. And uh, I don't know what happened to the guy. He might have been actually, he might have ran back, put on his robe, and dragged her out of the house as well. Very hypocritical that they only pulled out the woman. They pulled this woman out, caught in adultery. Uh, In the very act, she was guilty, and so was the guy. We don't know where he is or what happened. She was dragged out to the center of this courtyard area, and they all did what a good Jewish person does, and they follow the law and attempted to kill her by execution, by stoning her to death. Now, Jesus steps in. Jesus steps in, and he, you know the story. He scribbles on the ground, and... They're looking at him like, what are you doing? And then he stands up and he says something very simple. He says, you who has no sin, if you're perfect and you've never done anything wrong, go ahead and throw the first stone. So then he kneels down and he starts, you know, doodling in the in the sand. We don't know what he was saying. Some say it might have been, you know, uh, listing off the sins of the Pharisees and the guys that were there rated a here. I think he was just doing stick figures. I I have no idea. A head and, you know, and maybe a picture of a girl getting stoned. I don't know. It's like, (laughs) this is what's happening going down here. Uh, I I don't know. He, He might've just been squiggling. I don't know. But by the time he stood back up, all of those people had dropped their stones. And then he turns to this woman, verse 10. He says, Jesus straightened up and he asked her, he stood back up. And he said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Uh, no one, sir," she said. "Then neither do I condemn you." And Jesus declared, "Go now and leave this life of sin." Now, at this moment, if that's usually where the story ends. But actually, the real story begins next, because all those guys that were ready to kill her stuck around. They were right there. What they wanted to hear the first words out of Jesus's mouth after he basically rescued this woman from being stoned. So this is what he said. The very next thing he says is this. The very next words, verse 12. And when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, he just, he just intervened in an execution and said, I am the light of the world. He ruffled some feathers. People started to get angry. Now, that was a big, big statement that he just said. We, we, we've heard it. We've had 2,000 years of hearing that Jesus is the light of the world. But when he spoke it, at that moment, it was like fire in their heart. They were so angry at him. And a conversation turns into an argument immediately here's what happens in the next verse we're going to look at this chapter and then we're going to unpack the light of the world but i want you to hear the conversation rather than me just tell it i want you to read it so let's let's follow along verse 13 it says the pharisees challenged him it says uh, here you are appearing as your own witness your testimony is not valid they're saying hey guys listen jesus we're the pharisees we're the temple priests we are the ones who were entrusted with the law of god We are the ones entrusted with the temple ceremonies. We are the ones who testify what is from God and what is not. We are the witness. We are the ones. We are the keepers. We say what is from God, not you. And Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. I love this line. But you have no idea where I come from and where I'm going. I know I am, but you are clueless. You have no idea. He says his words. He goes on to say that his words are established by the Father in heaven himself. Verse 19. Then they said to him, where is your father? Who's your daddy? Everybody say, who's your daddy? They basically said, who's your daddy? And uh, he says, and I love this. He says, you don't know me or my father. It's like, man, these guys, man, they're, they're they're claiming to be the religious god elite. They claim to be the only ones who can say what is from God or not. And he says, you don't even know my father. He didn't say you're missing it, you're clueless, you're you know. He did say you're clueless or but he wasn't just saying you kind of got. He said, man, you're not even close. You don't even know him. Now that infuriated them. Verse 20, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. And he's right in the middle of that courtyard. I mean, if you turned your head from where Jesus was at, you would see the altars where the lambs were sacrificed. (laughs) So this is a major location. The temple's right behind him. And he's talking to a bunch of people who knew exactly what he was trying to say, but did not want to believe it or accept it. It says, yet no one sees him because... His hour had not come. They wanted to kill him. Verse 21, once more, Jesus said, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. And burn. He says, and where I go, you cannot come. He said, man, I'm going back to heaven. But some of you, you're going straight to hell. Man, Jesus is serious. He doesn't mess around with the Pharisees. He talked so, I mean, he called them many times. Uh, in different places in the Bible, he was so infuriated by their hypocrisy and by their pride and their arrogance that he told them to their face, "You're your snakes, your vipers, your, your demon-possessed, he says, you're all children of the devil. He says, every word out of your mouth is a lie and it comes from the father of lies, Satan himself. I mean, he had nothing but negative things to say. And right here he says, uh, I'm going to heaven and you're not going. Now, you can imagine, that if you're a keeper of the law, a priest in the temple, and and you're standing in front of the very altar of God and the temple's behind you, you would be angry at this Joe named Jesus who's trying to say that you're going to hell and that you don't know God. Verse 22, this made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? They wish. Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come. But he contended, you are from below. Hmm. I am from above. He says, you are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. He gave me a way out. He says, you know what? Right now, as it stands, you're going to die in your sins, and you're not going to, to, to the kingdom of heaven. I mean, just, he's telling you, but if, see, all of you get an if today. Because as it stands, apart from Jesus Christ, apart, From Jesus and understanding and acknowledging and receiving who he is. Apart from that, we all die in our sin. But he says, if, if we all have an if today, if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. If you don't understand who I am, your afterlife doesn't look so good. Verse 25, well, they say, well, who do you think you are? Who are you? I love that. Who are you? And they asked uh, "Just and he?" they asked, well, who are you? And I love what he says. He says, "Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. He said, man, get your fingers out. Eek-a-week-a-week-a-week. Get your, stick them in your ear. Squeegee them out a little bit. week a week He says, Jesus said, man, it's what I've been telling you all along. He says, verse 26, I have much to say in judgment of you. And he says, man, I got a lot of things to say, and they're not good, but I digress. He says, But he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. He says, I could tell the world and tell you what I think about you, but instead, I'm going to tell the world about the kingdom of God. I could say a lot of things about you that I don't like, but instead, I'm going to speak the words of hope and life. He goes on to say that you might understand this when you finally see me on the cross. He said, there's going to come a day when I will be lifted up, and when I am lifted up on a cross referring to the time of his bearing the weight of the world on his shoulders on the cross. He says, when I am lifted up, he says, some of you will get this. He says, but some, as he was speaking, were passing from death to life at that very moment. Not by a sign, not by a miracle, but by the power of God that they sense and discern through his very words. People were moving from death to death to life as he was speaking, check this out, verse 30 says, even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed him, he said, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. That's pretty heavy right there. If you, not if you just listen to him, that's not pretty good stuff, Jesus. But if you hold to my teachings, if you walk in my teachings, if this is something that affects the very core of who you are and who you live, he says, uh, then you know you got it. And the world will know you got it. You're really my disciples. The word disciple means to follow. We're going to talk about that in a minute. He says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, we like to sing that verse. We like to quote that verse. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The context is right here. He had just intervened in an execution. He just called himself the light of the world. The Pharisees were shouting him down, and he said, ah, you're going to hell, but if you believe, you will be free. Eyes were open. Light was cast upon his words Some remain in darkness because verse 33 says, and they answered, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that you can set us free? Jesus replied, verily I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. He basically says, we are all born into a family of sinners. Every one of us in this room, Jesus says, you were born a sinner. I never had to teach my girls when they were little to bite. I never had to teach them to take things or to say no. I never had to teach them to run away. The first thing they learn when they learn to walk is to what? Run away from you. Come here, you little booger. They're like, running away. Don't touch that. (laughs) That means an invitation to touch it. We have to teach them to share because our natural inclination our natural nature is to be selfish mine right you guys parents you're in that stage right now you give them something and even though you gave it to them they won't share it with you jesus says man there's sin bound up in our heart and we're a slave to it it is it is something we are bound to and it's it's a family problem for all of creation he says but I can give you a new family. Verse 36 So if the Son sets you free, he says you're free indeed. He's talking about sin. He's talking about the slavery of sin. He says, If you will trust in me and believe in me and who I am and what I'm saying here, you will go from death to life. You will go from slavery to freedom. You will go from darkness to light. So they start to tell him that Abraham taught them only to follow God and that God is the only father in heaven. And Jesus begins to say, well, if you hear the father, then you uh, hear me because I and the father are one. He says, if you do not hear me, then you aren't the fathers. Verse 47, he says, whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Some of them were getting even more angry. He embarrassed them by stepping in. and and intervening in a stoning. Now Jesus is calling himself the life and light of the world and the life and light giver. And this is what they say, verse 48. Then Jesus, then the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying you are a Samaritan? Which is like calling somebody a really bad racial slur in their days. He says, man, you're a Samaritan, insert racial slur, and demon-possessed. Man, when, you, man, when you start calling Jesus demon-possessed, you're in trouble. I mean, this happened more than once in the Gospels, and, and uh, uh, it, does, it never went well. So they said, man, you're demon-possessed, and insert racial slur. He says, I am not possessed by a demon, Jesus said, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Verse 50, I'm not speaking glory for myself. But there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I say to you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. He just said, I'm not demon-possessed, but if you believe in me, you will live forever up. He's demon-possessed for sure. They had no eyes. They were completely in the dark. They were completely blinded by their own selfish pride and their own views. They were in the dark. It says, see, now we know you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. You say that whoever obeys you will never taste death. I mean, these guys loved God. They're the founders of our faith, and yet they died. And, And you're saying you're better than they are? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. And then I love this line. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are, Jesus? This is what he says. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, but I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. Burn, Man, (laughs) Jesus is on a roll. He says, uh, "But I do know him, and I obey his words." Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing me here. He rejoiced at the seeing my day, and he saw it was spiritualized, and he was glad. He was excited. Abraham saw me, and then they got really offended because Abraham is like the boss to them. He's the founder of Judaism. Christianity is based upon the faith of Abraham, that is a fulfillment of the promise that God gave to Abraham. They don't accept Jesus as that fulfillment, so they hang on to Abraham to this day. Uh, Jewish people do not accept Jesus as the Messiah, and they hold those that practice uh, uh, their faith because most Jews actually do not practice their faith. They're not uh, a large majority of Jewish people are atheists today, but those that do practice their faith, they hold to. Abraham as the supreme teacher and Moses as the lawgiver. So they said, you're not 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? And then Jesus responds with one of the greatest declarations in all of the Bible. Verse 58 says, very truly, I tell you, he says, this is the truth. Some say, would say, thus says the Lord. That meant the authority of God. Jesus didn't need to say thus says say the Lord. He had his own authority as God in the flesh. So he would say, I tell you. It is the equivalent of us saying, thus says the Lord. So he was saying, this is the truth. I'm saying this in my own authority, in my own power. This is the truth, I tell you. He says, before Abraham was even around, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. And that's the end of that conversation. What started at a stoning ended with an attempted stoning, right? He's intervened at an execution. He says, I am the light of the world. They get angry and it escalates to another stoning where he slips out. So this is a a chapter bookend with execution that never happened. All enraged. By Jesus' comment that says, I am the light. And then he unpacked what that meant. Now, what I want us to do is I just want us to spend a few minutes talking about that one verse, John 8:12, where he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Oh, I have the light of life. What's interesting is if you are reading the gospel of John, the very next chapter in John chapter 9, he heals a blind guy, and then he says, Hey, guess what? I'm the light of the world. Can you see? It's pretty cool. He says it again in John 9. So let's take a look at that one verse. The first thing I want you to know about that verse is that no person on this planet can give you what he has. There's not a person alive. There's not a book you can read. There's not a historical figure that can do what Jesus can do. No one can give you what Jesus has. John 8, 12, he says, I am. Now, this is important. Why would Jesus, when he said before Abraham, I am, why would that make them so angry? You see, let me tell you a little bit about that. Phrase, before Abraham I am. First of all, he's saying, Abraham, that guy who's the founder of your faith, I am before Abraham. So don't go to Abraham, you need to go to me. And then he says, Before Abraham I am. In Exodus chapter 13, Moses was, maybe you know the story, he was a shepherd at the time. And he came across this burning bush, this bush that was burning, that was not actually, was inflamed, but not, you know, wasn't burning away. It was just a burn that was glowing. And it was God manifesting himself to Moses. And he says, Moses, I've called you to do great work. I'm going to send you to Egypt to set free a people that I have chosen to bring forth a Messiah. The Jewish people, the Hebrews, they were the people that God had picked to bring the Messiah. So he said, I want you to go and I want you to set them free. I want you to tell them that, uh, that the, you're moving in the name of God. And, and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Moses says, all right, you, you want me to go tell them that God says, well, who am I to tell them is sending me? What is your name? And this is what God says in, in Exodus 13. He says, tell them the I am that as I am is sending you. Just tell them the is. Because literally I am means the is. He says, man, tell them that I'm the ever eternal, omnipresent, self-existent, doesn't need you. One is sending you. The almighty, the all-powerful, the very one who began it all, who created it all. Tell them the I am is sending you. Now, that was so powerful because that word was the unspoken word. They were never to speak the word I am. In fact... Uh, they weren't allowed to say that. And if they did say it, whenever they wrote it, they had to go and cleanse themselves after every letter, after every little squiggly mark in the Hebrew alphabet when they would write the word I am or the word of God for Yahweh. They would actually go and have a ceremonial bathing and then go back and write another one and then go have a ceremony. I mean, this was the unspeakable word. And then Jesus says, before Abraham, I am. Man, Jesus said, I am the guy who Moses talked to. At the burning bush. And for Abraham, I am the self-existent eternal one. That is who I think I am. That's who I know I am, Jesus said. That's why they immediately wanted to stone Jesus to death. Now, when Jesus says, I am the bread, I am the light, I am the resurrection, we're going to see he says, I am the vine. Next week, we're going to look at, I am the gate, I am the door. He is saying no one can do what I'm doing. I am the almighty God in the flesh. And only I can give you what you're looking for. Very, very powerful. Jesus is not a mini God. He's not mini me. He's not God's Bubba. He's not God Junior. He's not on the little sea and God's on the big sea. He's the very identity of God in the flesh. I am. I am the bridegroom. I am the forgiver. I am the bread. I am the resurrection. Phrases attributed to God only, Jesus says, I am him. I want you to imagine the greatest authority on the planet. Somebody, probably our president is probably one of the greatest authorities on the planet. There are a lot of authorities and influences on the planet. But uh, the U.S. is probably the most influential nation in the world. Our president is probably the most uh, powerful person on the planet. Uh, if you had a card in your back pocket that basically gave you authority to do anything because, you know, the president says, here, here's my th- authority. You know, you man, you could do anything. Man, I'm going to walk in. Think about the power and authority you would have to be able to play that president card. <laughs> yeah, so there's no room. President card. What, turn me down. President card, you know. If you had the authority of the president on your side, man, you could do almost Anything. Now, Jesus didn't move under the authority of anybody but himself. Jesus says, Abraham and Moses, your greatest authorities, well, they didn't even move without my authority. I testify not from theirs, but from my own. I am the great I am. And then he goes on to say, I am the light. I want you to write this down. To see Jesus is to see. To see Jesus is to see. Why was this so offensive to them? Why were, why were they so offended when Jesus said, Hey, man, you see me? <laughs> you see. You see, this was in the middle of a holiday. This holiday was called the Sakat. It's also known as the Festival or the Feast of Tabernacle. The Festival of Tabernacle. And it was basically a holiday that for a week, they celebrated their journey through the desert and God's liberty. And so what they would do for the week is they would build these huts, They would build these tents outside of their houses. They would sleep in a tent outside of their house for a week. And then every night, they had all over the city these massive oil bowls. I mean, we're talking like 10 to 12, 15 feet round. They would fill them with oil, light them on fire, and have torches all around the city during the festival of feasts here, during the Tabernacle Feast. And what they would do is they would light these Torches, and they would have each night these kind of torch fire celebrations. Where they have torch dances, you know, they would have they would have these these celebration. And basically, some of the early writers says, if you've never seen, if you've never been in Jerusalem, this is some of the early writers, the contemporaries, saying to the world, if you've never been in Israel or during, in Jerusalem during the Temple of Tabernacle, uh, then uh, festival of Tabernacle, then you haven't seen one of the greatest wonders. Of the known, uh, celebration of the known world at that time. It was just a magnificent spectacle to be a part of. It was during that time. They're standing in the courtyard. They're just feet away from the from the altar, the temples behind them. And this is the, the place where the ceremonies and the dances and the torches were lit. So they slept in the tents to remember that they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And they lit the torches and danced because it reminded them that the light, the pillar of fire that led them through the desert for 40 years, was God's presence leading them and that he never left them. So here's Jesus in the midst of that great holiday saying, you know what? I'm that light. I am the light that you celebrate. I am the very one that you're dancing about. That pillar of fire, that great light you celebrate that led you, that's a picture of me. Genesis 1, the Bible says, let there be light. Man, that's the creator, the life And the light giver, Jesus says, Hey, that's me. Psalm Isaiah and Daniel say that God is the light. Jesus says, Hey, that's me. Isaiah 9 says that the Messiah will come and be a light to the world. And Jesus saying, Hey, that's me. See, when Jesus said he was the light, that was big. We don't get it now because we've heard it for years. We've kind of desensitized, oh, he's a light. Yeah, something's a good thing. No, it's much, much, much bigger than that. I've got a few light examples. I've got, let's see, I've got this light. This is a fun light right here. This light here is uh, one of my favorite flashlights. I'm going to shine it in your faces, but only for a moment. Boom, boom. All right. Now this light, let's see if I can not put it in someone's face and keep it on. There we go. No? It's in everybody's face. Here, who can live with it? No, I'm just going to leave it right there. Everybody, Brian Reed, everybody. Let's give it up, Brian. All right, now I'm going to turn it up for a little bit. All right, let's see this light. He says, you know what? I am the light. There is no other light other than me. It is Jesus or darkness. No Jesus, no light. He is not a light, but he is the light. He is the one. Jesus is the true light among many false lights. He says, man, there's a lot of lights out in this world that would try to draw you kind of like a bug light. You know, there's a lot of lights in the world, like the bug light. I can't help it. You know, it's like good old country entertainment, right? Put up the bug light and just go outside and have a good time as it kills all those beetles and you know, mosquito eaters and all those kind of things. Jesus said, "You know what? Those there's false lights that will draw you, but then will kill you." He says, "Man, I'm the life of light, and if you draw yourself to this light, I, you won't die. You'll have life." He says, "I am that light. I've got what you need." He says, "Jesus says you can't see. Well, then you don't have the light." See, here's the power of the presence of light. I want to tell you a little bit about the power of light. I've got another one here. This is one of our youth camp small group uh, lights. This was kind of cool. When we went to big stuff camp, we would have these and we would sit on the beach and have small groups. And, and, the, and the, when you're out on the beach and, you know, and it's, it's complete darkness and you turn this light on, it's beautiful to see all these small groups with these lamps. You know, huddled together, talking about what God's doing in their life. Very powerful, powerful, intimate moment. The power of that light, as small as it was, was powerful. Here's the power of the light. Number one is that the presence of light exhibits or shines light on hope. In the dark, you are blind to hope. Some of you, you are in the dark right now. You think there is no hope for your family, no hope for your home, no hope for your kids, no hope for your marriage, no hope for your job, no hope for your money. Will you let God shine his light on your life? Will you let the light and the hope of God be shined upon who you are? He says, man, if you come to me, I will shine light and hope on your marriage, on your family, on your home, walking to bed in the dark. Man, when I come out of the bathroom and I flip that light off and all of a sudden my bedroom looks like a black hole, you know, you ever been there and, you, and you're like the bed somewhere in that area, right? You're anybody with me on that? you or you turn your light off and you're like, you didn't turn the bedside light on. So you're, you're like, all right. You bend down to see if you, you want to touch the stuff that you know is coming. We got this, like, dresser at the end of our bed. We've got the dog cage. Now, Calvin, our dog, he likes to leave that cage open because he likes to go into it whenever he wants. So we'll shut it, and he swings it open. So, some, like, last night, I'm, I'm flipped off the light, and I'm like, all right. All right. Oh, did Calvin shut the door? Did Calvin open the door? I'm like, and all of a sudden, I'm walking, and all of a sudden, kapow, my pinky toe goes in one of the grates of the door and the whole thing goes and i'm like oh nicole's already in bed she'd already fallen asleep she went to bed early and i'm like the light Calvin!" right i'm thinking man just a little bit of light sometimes you just just that little bit of light even the smallest amount gives you a sense of direction and hope that you're gonna make it and you know that's what jesus says he says, you know what if you'll just trust in me listen to me try to get this so it's not shining on somebody. I need it on, though. It's not going to happen. I'll just leave it like that for now. Jesus says, you know what? I can shine light on the hope. There's not enough darkness in the world to put out the light of even the smallest candle. And he asks, can you see the light? Here's the second thing that the light, the presence of light exposes darkness. It exposes darkness in the world. I tell you, you turn the light of God on, you turn the light of God on, see, I've got... Uh, uh, let 's do this one again. You, you, you turn the light on in the world, and all of a sudden you realize man that 's dirty that 's Let me put it this way. When I was a kid we, we, we didn 't grow up in nice houses all the time. In fact, one of our houses, the house I was in when I was in high school when I first moved to Texas uh, is not even there. It was like demolished after we moved out, and uh, when we lived in it, the house literally had a floor that was tilted we could i 'm not joking. you put a ball on went into the living room, and it would roll to the other end of the living room. And we were like this it was like House of Magnetica, you know the old the old the place in Six Flags, you know that's not there anymore. It was like it was like cool walking in our house. So uh, the house was like that and and man when I first moved to Texas, one of my greatest fears came to life and that is uh, cockroaches fly. And I was like, man, whoa. So but there's one day I remember I was walking from my room into the kitchen and I flipped the light on and there was like a dozen roaches in the kitchen floor. And you flip the light on and they go, you know, I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, now I've got roach issues. My family knows it. It's kind of funny. I think they're nasty. They're gross. There's just a lot of reasons why I don't like them. So but I'm thinking, you know, what, what, what light does is when you flip the light on. <laughs> you see the grossness, man. When God shines His light on your life, you know what it does? It exposes the dark things in our life, the things that are hidden, the secrets, the sin, the things that we're ashamed to talk about, that we don't want to talk about. Then, when you find the light, Jesus says, mm-mm, "This secret, no longer. This secret, uh. Uh-uh. This problem, mm-mm. what happens? You see, I had a choice. When I saw those roaches, I could go flip the light off and just back out of the room." And go back to bed and pretend it never happened. But I wish I'd never seen that because my life was forever changed. And it may play a big part into why I'm like eked out by roaches because I cannot get that picture of these roaches just disappearing into the dark cabinets where our pantry is, where our pots and pans and food are, right? Now, I've I've actually helped some people move who were infested with roaches that were like that multiplied by a million. That's a whole other story. But I'll tell you, that day, I, I like, you know what? I don't think I could ever eat anything in our pantry ever the same. I don't think I could pull food out of, out of a pantry ever the same. It changed me forever because I had a choice. I was either going to deal with the things that the light shined on or I'm going to live in denial and pretend everything's fine. You see, when God shows up, when Jesus the light shines on the dark places of your life, there's a lot of things about your life, about you, that come to light that you don't want to talk about, that you're in denial about. Darkness in the Bible represents sin, death, confusion, and lack of truth, and evil spiritual forces. Light in the Bible, and it's mentioned over 200 times, it represents life, goodness, hope, righteousness, truth, understanding, wisdom, guidance, and God's presence and glory. That is why Jesus came to the world, not just to be a light, but to expose and crush the darkness, just like those roaches had to be crushed and exposed. Otherwise, we would have never realized how nasty our kitchen was. Here's a third thing. The presence of the light expels the darkness. It not only exposes, it not only exhibits hope, expels darkness, but it expels darkness. Darkness runs off. Demons tremble at the presence of light. The power of a flare. Now, I was going to, I had a flare. I couldn't find my flare. I was gonna bring it in here. I was gonna pretend I was gonna light it. But before I was, I was gonna tell you a story and then I wasn't gonna light it. Because let me tell you, I actually lit a lot lit a flare in the middle of a sermon illustration before, and it went terribly bad. I don't know if you're familiar with flares, but they're fire! Big balls of bright fire. And I you know, what I did is I did this light on being the light, uh, and, and I had this guy who actually ran the torch for the Olympics through Dallas and he was in our youth group, and I he had the torch. So, you know, I had him get the torch and I thought, man, we're gonna put the flare inside of it, man. We're gonna light it and you're gonna run through the room. It's like ah, da, 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 da. you know, we're like, Yeah, man, it's it's awesome. Right? So I lit the flare and it was like Psh- Oh, he's like blinding, couldn't see, kids on the road. I'm like, come here. The guy's name was Damien. I said, come here. It's like, we'd stuck it on there. No, run. He's like this. <laughs> and we had carpet. This was our youth room. It was a pretty good size youth room. And, uh, and he's running around the room and I'm like, oh, man. It's burning the carpet everywhere. It's like all these little dots of fire, you know, from the sparks. Ah, oh, check it out. And the music came on. And I thought, man, what a bad idea that flare was. But what a powerful picture of its power and brightness. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. But I thought, you know, <laughs> people went running when that light came on. You know? It was like it was, it was like a bottle rocket. <laughs> you know? And the, the everybody's like, ah! You know, that's what we do when we get in the presence of the light. If you're on the side of the light, it's life. If you're not it expels and sends you running and actually can offend you. In fact, the message of sin and eternal judgment to some of you is offensive because you're walking in the dark. And that's why a lot of churches are are extra careful not to talk about sin and not to talk about hell because they don't want to offend the people in the dark because shining the light of the truth of God means some people will run away. Some people will leave. It will expel those that are walking in the dark. And for some, that means a hard heart because the light reveals the spiritually blind. And that story, this is not a bad song here. Uh, in that story where Jesus stepped in and intervened in the adulterous woman's life, all three of those happened. He shined light, hope, and mercy on the woman. And he says, I do not condemn you. And he saved her life. Number two, he exposed dark hearts when he says, he who doesn't have sin cast the first stone. And when he turned to the woman, it said, go and sin no more. He identified their sin, identified her sin. It exposed the dark and it expelled the darkness because their response was, Jesus, we hate you. You're of the devil. And it caused the dark and the blind to be exposed. You see, that's the power of the light. And uh, stay with me, that'll be fixed in just a second. Here's the third thing. It says, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. I want you to know this, that this light is for anyone. This light is for anyone. Anyone in this room, any person in this place, anybody who's ever walked the planet from the beginning of time until forever. This light is for You, not just you, but for the world. This is bigger than you. In a culture obsessed with selfies, in a culture obsessed with their own Instagram and Facebook and Twitter sponsors, Jesus says, I'm a beacon of hope to others, to anyone that will look to me. Let me tell you something. In the 80s, there was like this major transition in churches. Here was the transition. Basically, people went from a... A, a God-based worship to a very personal-based worship, where it was like, you know, uh, worship songs that had to do with themselves and with God. And it was important because church had become very stale, worship had become very, very stale, our walks with God had become very stale. So in the 80s, it was, it was like the pendulum switched to a very personal faith. The problem with that is that it's, it's swung so far that we often think that Jesus is just about me, just about us. And I think the pendulum has now got to swing a little bit back to where we start realizing that your faith is not about you. God is not about you. God is about anyone. God is about the world. It doesn't say God so loved you that he gave his only begotten. People say, well, if you were the only one, Jesus would have come and died for you. We don't know that. We would like to think that. But the Bible says God so loved the world, anyone, See, when we start thinking about our faith, it's important to realize that there's a very personal aspect of it. But Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Anyone, anyone, anyone who will come, anyone who will respond, anyone who will listen, anyone who will look. This is for the world. Everyone needs the light. God so loved, not just you, but the light shines on even the hard to love. And that person at work that you have written off your list, no, no, no. God says I'm the light to them too. I'm the light for them too. And He goes on to say, the number four is that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me to walk in the light is to follow Jesus. Now I've got this this uh, little light here, and uh, I want to come back to that here in a second. And I want to go to this one right, this one right here. This is a cool light. This is like Gonzo light right here. It's like, you know, I don't know about you guys are obsessed with flashlights. Uh any any guys with me on that? Any any men? All right, look at the hands. There's there's honesty. If you like flashlights, raise your hand. All right. Yeah, like it's like controlled fire, right? I never thought about that. Fire, fire, flashlight, flashlight. Uh, all right. Um we got this This obsession, I go to Home Depot and I'm not even there looking at flashlights. And I got to go down the flashlight aisle because there's something powerful about being able to see in the dark. Jesus says, whoever follows me, he says, uh, this is where it happens. To follow is to walk in his steps, to follow the light of his life in words, to follow, not just tag behind or to go on a walk with Jesus. Jesus didn't say, hey, come and hang out with me. He said, come and walk with me. Jesus didn't say, come and take a little, you know, stroll with me. He said, come and follow me. Some of us, we have accepted the light. We're living kind of in a, in a knowledge of the light, but we're not following the light. Jesus says, man, if you, whoever follows me, you know, there's a, a big, uh, decision that we made years ago as a church that, uh, that we, talk about being a christian but we focus on the phrase follower of christ because everybody who's in texas thinks they are christian half the people in the united states claim to be christian and there's three billion people on the planet that claim faith as a christian but jesus didn't call us to be converts or christians he called us to be followers of his life and love so he says come and follow me You know, I was doing this earlier. It was like, I was, you know, check out these lights. I want you to, all right, I'm going to do something. I'm going to shine the light in your face on purpose. All right, so bear with me. The light's going in your face. If you're sleeping, all right, caught you. I'm looking for the sleepers now. Uh, It's hard to tell because you're closing your eyes when it comes by. All right, now after I shine the light in your face, how does everything look? Like a white dot, doesn't it? If it's not long enough, there's a lot of people there, so I'm going to swing it over there. All right. You know, when we see the light, when we truly see the light, we see life differently. It's like, like a flashlight in the eyes. Like looking at these lights, when we truly see the light, things look different in our life. We see things through the light. Oh, you put your shades on. Very funny. C.S. Lewis says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. This is not a generic light that saves everyone. It is a light to those who look to it and walk in it. That is why he says, whoever follows me, which means if you don't follow me, you walk in darkness. And here's the last thing. He says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, this is one of my favorite lights here. This This is my headband light. And this is what it means to walk in Jesus. It says, when we truly follow Jesus, our life is not the same. We are dead and dark in sin. Jesus sheds light on this life. And we need, I got this cool little light bulb. We need a light bulb moment. We need a moment where we go, light bulb, where we see and understand that there is something greater than what we are experiencing some of you go to church but you don't walk in the light. Some of you know who Jesus is but you do not understand who he is and you do not follow and walk in that light. It's purely a knowledge of the batteries and the lumens and you're you're fascinated you go down the Jesus aisle like you go down a flashlight aisle but you don't truly follow the light. You see, when I put this on, I put this on when I'm working in the dark. I put this on when I'm putting on my Christmas lights. I installed one of my a microwave this week, and I had had to put pull these out because I couldn't see in the dark. I see this changes when you walk in Jesus. Everything, everything looks different. Everything shines different. This light, this life, the hope it reveals is the grace and beauty of redemption found. In Jesus. And it's greater than life itself. Listen to me. When the valleys seem unclear and cold, Jesus is the light. When the depths of depression keep you in the shadows of others, Jesus is the light. When your future seems desolate and dark, Jesus is the light. When sorrow and confusion cloud your vision, Jesus is the light. When death and despair look dark and grim, Jesus is the light In the dark places of your heart where no one has seen, where shame abides in the shadows, Jesus is the light. On a dark and winding journey, Jesus is the light to your path. Like that pillar in the desert, Jesus says, I am the light that will guide you, the light that will protect you, and the light that will remind you that I am here and you are not alone. And one day, this light will fill the earth and darkness will be no more. But until then, the light is on to anyone who will follow. John twelve thirty six says, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. Now, I want you to realize this is you and me. Empty, void, no light. But in Christ, we become the light. So the invitation today is to receive the light and to be the light. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, dear Jesus, that you are the light of the world. I pray that you cast your life and light on those here today that the darkness and the blinders... The scales will come off our eyes to see the life and hope and love and grace and mercy that you provide. And Lord, when we give our life to you, though we were dead in our sin, we walk in a new way of life. We walk in the light of life. When we follow you, Jesus, our life is never the same. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I want that light. I want that life. I want that hope. If that's you, don't look around, but just raise your hands. you know what? I need that hope today. I need that life. I need that light. Hands going up everywhere. Go ahead. See, you know what? That's me. I need that. Keep them up for just a minute because I want to see you. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, for the life and the light of hope and the light of God. I pray that you'd shine in their heart. Let them know that they are not alone, that there is a light whose name is Jesus, who can guide them and help them and protect them and keep them Realizing that you need to be a light, that you have been living in the dark as a believer, and it's time to flip the light on and reflect the life and the light of God. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, You know what? I need to be a light, and I know it. Raise your hand and say, You know what? I need to be the light of the world. This world is for anyone and everyone, and I want to be a part of that. Hands going up. Let me see. Saying, you know what? I want to be the light of the world. God, I say, I pray, Lord, that you would touch these people, moving these hands, moving these lives, moving these hearts. God, let us reflect the life, the light, the hope of the world of you in us, God. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, guys, as we wrap this up today, uh, as as Sean's going to come pray over the offering, we're going to close in worship, I want you to realize that that when you walk in the light, it gets dirty because you see the things that you don't want others to see, and you see the things that you don't want to see. And I want to encourage you this week to be in a small group, to be in one of our life teams. We're going to unpack the, the scariness of shining light on the dark places of our life. I want you guys to be able to talk about that in your small group. So be the light today. Amen.